When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out, or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. Hello and welcome to the BloodandMud.com podcast. I am Lee Calvert from BloodandMud.com. And I'm Josh Gardner from RugbyShitWatch.com. Once again, we are here. We apologise for missing out on a last week but um, unfortunately we do have actual real jobs which demand that we do things uh, allegedly yes. allegedly which yeah. got in the way um, <laughs> this is the bloodandmud.com podcast a sweary pipe bomb of rugby knowledge it is available on soundcloud you may have found it that way be now it's also available on itunes if that suits you better or you can put the feed into your itunes player please rate us and all that kind of stuff this week we'll do a review of the european cup we'll do some more shit good pickings in from the weekend we'll talk about Eddie Jones and his night of the long knives as it were <laughs> Corby Sierra taking a year off which is weird we're going to talk about national mm. dual contracts which will keep Josh yeah. busy for a while we'll have oh, your yes. dirty get and then something else in the loop so a lot to get through Josh let's make a start with uh, the European Cup the big cup is yeah. back yeah it was a what a weird year this is proving for European rugby. It's just I I don't know what to make of it anymore. It's nothing makes sense. No, it doesn't. It was it was it was a kind of binary weekend in many ways. I thought it really there, was. Wasn't there it? There was some stuff that was really 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 good, and then there was other yeah. stuff that was completely forgettable. Yeah, I mean, starting with I guess the 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 big the pool of death, the Wasp Bath, Toulon and Leinster one, like. 
that that whole pool is is fucking stupid, isn't it? Well, if you like, is that if you'd asked somebody a month ago, it's that yeah. test, isn't it? It would fail it miserably. Massively so. It's like wasps, 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 wasps. It, it was fucking there. They just had to do something not particularly stupid, and then boom, two men in the bin, uncontested scrums, nightmare, and it all goes horribly wrong. You'd be absolutely fuming and, as a fan, wouldn't you? Oh god! Like I mean, hats off to to George Ford as well. Like his his goal kicking has been, to put it politely, a bit fucking iffy in his career. But like to convert that that try in the way that he did nervously was was a massive moment for him. But and yeah, I think it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of good for him that he managed to drag the. I know Was should have won, but the fact that he's not playing very well and he still no. managed to kind of drag them some bath somewhere to well they won but he managed he managed to keep them in the game just about enough didn't he absolutely yeah although what's I mean to be <laughs> do you see Dai Young interviewed after the game he was absolutely <laughs> fuming and not well, so much with the ref actually you? you think it would be with the ref it wasn't with the ref I think he was absolutely fuming with the people in his charge I, I think he, he knew it perfectly well how badly they'd fucked that up just purely through their own silliness and yeah it wasn't the ref's fault at all but it blows the pool wide open now. Like yeah. wasps, after looking like they were dead certs, they're they're two points ahead of Bath and four ahead of Toulon, and and they've got a, a game more played than both of them. And so Toulon are like, just going to keep winning, aren't they? So that's what that was. Wasps twenty three, Bath twenty five. Obviously, if any of you lived yeah. under a rock and haven't seen it, but it was a, uh, it was it was, it was an exciting game. Yeah, and there were some moments in it. But there was still a lot of shit in it. I thought, yeah. <laughs> even even well, against... it was just like occasional brilliance combined with fairly consistent Dreck. mediocrity. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, again, this kind of theme that I'm, I'm developing a theme, Josh. The, it's, the theme it's of the, very much the, the, story the binary of the weekend. weekend. There was some amazing yeah. stuff going on, and then some I, of it was I, was really. If, if that was a good game, though, then then Toulon and Leinster was was not a good game at all. Let's. It was either going to be it was going to be a bad game in two one of two ways. One that Toulon were just going to run away with it and absolutely hammer them because they're not doing yeah. very well and so they've got some mojo back. Or it was going to be actually the second version, which is what we saw, which was well, just it's, it's, like a load of people fumbling with their trouser pocket when pissed in the toilets. Basically, it was it's so heartening and quite satisfying to see a team who are as expensively assembled as Toulon play like a. Valley's comprehensive school second fifteen after a rough Christmas party <laughs> night out, isn't it? It's like they were they were yeah, it, was like, yeah, it was like a tour match. <laughs> it was, and all that talent, man for man, one for twenty two, like m- m- more talent than any other team in the world, and they were just fundamentally bad at rugby. Set piece, nah. Tactics, nah. Ball carrying, nah. Like if they were playing a team that had had any confidence at all, they'd have lost. But they were they were playing Leinster, so and Leinster. I mean, God. I mean, so talk about Fucking being a, a fan. Imagine being a Leinster fan. There's really well, Leinster, nothing much to look forward to for the next no. two years, really, is there? By the looks of things, I mean, I could be wrong. Things could turn around, but 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 Leinster now are to what Leinster used to be. What like a pub covers band are to Led Zeppelin, aren't they? I mean, it's <laughs> yeah, they so they they sort of it's vaguely reminiscent, but yeah, they've not got any of the yeah the gear. So you've got all the gear down. You've got yeah. you've got the church right and the look right, but you're just not quite <laughs> delivering, you know. No, isn't nobody the there spiritual moments that we that we need. Yeah, like they're old, they're badly coached, and 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 similar to to Munster, really. Like there seems like there's a dearth of quality and leadership in that squad, which has got to be very alarming. It has, but I suppose it's the I mean, you know, Ireland went through. Well, I thought, what what version of I of the transitional period are Ireland in now? 
I think it was version five point seven the last time I looked. Something like that. Yeah. Still, still going on. And I think that Leinster. The worrying thing is that that was while Leinster were quite strong. Yeah. And now Leinster are going through their own transitional period. Version, you know, version one, and and it's it's not well. It's looking like it's going to be a a hard thing to download. Yeah. Well, it's 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 Connacht's time now, surely. Well, it should be <laughs> with Big Bundy yeah. playing. Well, exactly. So Toulon beat Leinster, which was was fairly yep. fairly predictable, but awful. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. We're kind of working up the list here, but let's 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 do let's keep doing that way. Oyanax uh, were the latest people to have the audacity to stand in the way of the great um, the great Dementors from Hendon who and got smashed out of the way. They 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 just keep smashing teams with like a brutality and efficiency of an industrial wood chipper, don't they? It's like they're not bad to watch, though, are they? No, they. they I think are, the thing is, a lot of people that... think there is this kind. It is like you know. The Galactic Empire, but Absolutely. there is, but they are, they play well, don't they? It's not bad rugby yeah, to watch they, by any means. They play decent attacking rugby, but they, they're, they're arguably the form team in Europe right now. Yes, and you know they, they, you can't really begrudge them it either because they're doing it in every way that you would want a team to do it. They're they're playing well in practically every area, which is and even when they empty the bench, rare. it doesn't make it any worse or any no. better. It just it's just this. This relentless sort of efficient form. I keep coming back to the word efficient, but you just can't like the do anything board, else, can they? You? It's just yeah, it's just it is yeah yeah. It's, and it, and it's, I mean the the only the only thing that could possibly derail their season now is is like during the Six Nations when presumably most of their first fifteen is going to get called into the England squad. That's and true. I mean then they've got depth, but other than that they they just look like they're going to smash everybody well, you look at the non-England play, play well Barrett won't be getting called up by England again please God that's please true. God that's tell true. me he won't be I don't think he will be so he'll be staying and a lot of that's the thing a lot of people talk about their you know attitude towards the salary cap being flexible shall we say but when mm. you actually look at the teams that they put out it's not all these mega it's not a Toulon that's doing all no. the dis- destruction is it you know it is it's a young no, scum they... half it's, 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 a, it's a fullback from an academy it's not you know you're not talking They've got Galactico a very good stuff. development pathway, haven't they? And they're using it extremely well. And you've got to give them credit for that. Imagine it's easy to have a development pathway when you're basically run by an evil professor in a lab who's just creating well, hateful yeah. players <laughs> who, are, who are good at what they do to go out. I suppose that makes it slightly simpler when you can do it by genetic design. Yeah. But yeah. If we're talking about smashings in that pool, I guess, <laughs> then it's hard not to talk about Ulster versus Toulouse, which I just... I don't understand either of these teams. It's just... It no. doesn't make any sense. I understand to lose because they're basically a bit shit. Well, yeah, but they they're going well in the top fourteen this year. Yeah, but they don't and look yet... particularly convincing. But I've got having said that, no, nobody expected what happened on Friday. That was no. absolute madness. Yeah, like there's two games now where they've basically not turned up. Their discipline's atrocious. Their fundamentals are non-existent. They look like they don't. They look like people who've just not just not played rugby before. They look like people who've only just recently discovered what their limbs do. Just... <laughs> the last time they played so very very badly, everyone said, "Oh, it's the hangover from you know it was the yeah. it was the weekend. It was the day after, wasn't it? The the terrible yeah. attacks in in Paris." He thought, "Well, even then, I had little sympathy with that view. To be honest, I mean, they could they could have put up better than they did in that game, but." This one on Friday, there's no such excuse unless somebody's no, reminded it, them of it just before they walked out. Oh, you know, remember God, Paris guys? Oh, for fuck's sake, my head's gone again now. <laughs> but I don't think, I don't think I don't that was know. the case. They just looked lost, didn't they? Yeah, well, that's the thing. And and Ulster were brilliant, and they were 
really they absolutely smashed them and yet a few weeks ago against Saracens they looked like a bunch of drunks that had won a competition to play rugby yeah it's, it's uh, yeah and it's hard to actually go oh well they've turned a I mean the thing with Bath was to go back to Bath I said mm. in the preview I said I thought Bath would, would get better this week because mm. they're too good not to but I didn't think they'd win but they did just about an all power to them yeah. there is a kind of logical sense to Bath getting better there's absolutely no logic at all to these None. to some of these games <clears throat> That's that's the Ulster the, game, no logic. No, that's the thing that completely cooks my... And, and there have been a few games this week that have completely cooked my head because they don't make a great deal of logical sense. But What makes yeah. me laugh about the games as well is that, you know, when, because it's the Sky BT Sport problem, isn't it? Whenever there's stuff on there, the hyperbole... Is, you know, the, you can't yes, say, well, some of them are going to be crap and some of them are going to be pretty good. But to no, tune in anyway, it is everything. The hyperbole is <laughs> the hyperbole is like nothing you'll hear since the last England marketing campaign. Yeah, and no, you won't it's, hear it's it again until exactly. the next England marketing no. campaign. But it does. It's it's never ending. Like, look at this, it's brilliant. The giants take yeah. on the huge people. It's going to be the greatest <laughs> game ever. Yeah, and and let's face it, there are some games in the champion, even the Champions Cup, which are not. Giants taking on giants. They are no, they're not. a good team taking on a shit team. Yes. Or occasionally a shit team against another shit team. Which brings and... us on to Benison <laughs> <laughs> Treviso versus Stade Francais, which was uh, <sighs> another hide in, which I didn't really put it. I thought, again, I thought this would just be people acting like they've got, you know, trying to catch the ball with their elbows for yeah for, for, for 80 minutes. But actually, it was, well, it wasn't. Treviso turned up last half hour, didn't they? Well, yeah, but that was because they were already fifty points down by that point, yeah, and Stad basically yeah. just didn't care. Yeah, they were—they they, they, they put pastilles in the water bottles by then, hadn't they? It was all over. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure I saw Parise smoking a Galois on the side, but you know, it's—it's, <laughs> it's yeah. I mean, the the best thing again about Chorizo this week was probably their lovely European shirts, because a bonus point in twenty three minutes is shocking. I don't care who you are, <laughs> yes. and some of or who you're playing, yeah, yeah. Some of the tack, particularly for their seventh try, which, I mean, for God's sake, their seventh try for starters, but like some of the tackling in that move was absolutely atrocious. Did you see it? It was just like, basically, let's let's saw flashes run of it. I saw, I saw the highlights of the games, but it was, yeah, a joke. Yeah. But, I mean, all power to Treviso, they managed to get 4,600 people turning up. Yeah, and yet they've which, got you know, no business being in the Champions Cup, let's be honest. Well, it's, 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 the, it's the endless... Italy rugby problem isn't it you can't yeah. just cut them loose but no. to say that they've plateaued is an understatement well they absolutely have and and while they will occasionally get results in the Pro 12 now like when it comes to the Champions Cup the Italian teams have got no business being involved aside from being a whipping boy for someone and, and you talk about that transitional period like we did with Ireland yeah. they had enough of a problem with a very well established playing base professionally all that kind of stuff yeah. When you look at Italy, their old guard shifting off out the pack. Who's 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 coming in? It's it frightening. Really. Well, look at look at what happened when Parise was injured at the start of the World Cup. They were absolutely shambolic, and they got significantly better when he was there. But you know he's getting on a bit now, man. They they need to, and the players that they I thought would come through, players like Campagnaro, for example, who's now at Exeter. I thought he was going to be an absolutely. Mm. Still time World for him, class I suppose, talent. But, uh, There's still time, but he's properly gone off the boil. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. So that 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 was them. Let's let's have a talk. About, well, let's carry on with the thrashing, shall we? Racing ninety two versus Northampton. God, I definitely I mean, didn't see that one coming. 
No, uh, uh, clearly the the ladies' choice halfback pairing is working pretty well, isn't it? It is. I mean, the Mike Phillips, yes, Dan, and Dan Carter, Carter axis is Carter, goddamn I mean, handsome. Carter, uh, Carter looks even more dangerous now. He doesn't care anymore. <laughs> I know, it's you know, for ages he was thinking, well, "I've got to play well. I've got All Blacks World Cup. I've not played well." You know, he must have been quite stressed. Now he's just thinking, yeah. "Oh fuck this! Who cares anymore?" And now yeah, it's even just... more terrifying. Well, that's, that's the thing. He hasn't really. He's done nothing for the last six weeks except get pats on the back from presumably everyone in New Zealand that he bumped into and being bought beers as well. And then he turns up last week and then walks into a game against a team of, let's be honest, the calibre of Saints, who are still a decent team, with very little familiarity with his teammates, shows up and like absolutely runs the show. Yeah. Like, and Saints, if any, it... Saints aren't playing well, but the set piece has gone quite well this year. So you'd expect yeah. they wouldn't have a major problem going over there. I wouldn't expect them to win. I wouldn't expect them to win, but it would be not a massive yeah. problem over there. You know, everyone who's thought that the Carter was coming over for a late career payday, um, you know, you're starting to look at it and think he could have a sort of Johnny Wilkinson at Toulon-esque impact on Racing's fortunes if he can keep that up. I think he's spurred on by trying to out-sexy Mike Phillips, though. Well, I mean, you know, it's, when you've got that in the room with you every day, it's bound exactly. to I mean, make you improve in some way or another, isn't it? Well, exactly. I mean, you've you've got a lot to compete with there. I did love actually, Spikey's um, when somebody asked him after the game about the fact that Carter's knee was heavily strapped up. Uh, Phillips's response was that his wallet was weighing him down on one side, which <laughs> I fucking love. Mike Phillips. Did like, you see that BBC document, BBC Wales document? I haven't watched those, it. Those I can't of you bring who are in the BBC it. Wales area of our seven listeners out there, there was a BBC <laughs> Wales special on the real Mike Phillips last week. You'll probably still get it on the iPlayer in whatever region, and it and mm. it was a, a profile of Mike. How he's not just you know an enormously sexy outside McDonald's fighter. He's a lover he and a charity so. man as well. He's like a perfect yeah. package of glorious Adonis-like <laughs> wonder. Um, but, you know, when you watch it, I was kind of... I live in Wales, and I was kind of... BBC Wales... I'm digressing here, but I'm going to do it anyway. BBC Wales are brilliant at making these programmes just simply because the people are Welsh. Yes. You know, actually, it doesn't really matter if they're worthy of anything. Somebody just goes into the, <laughs> to the commissioning room in, in BBC Wales, Glendaff, and says, I want to make a programme about this pig, right? And... He wanders around in a pigsty all day, uh, and and that's it. And people go, well, what's the relevance of that then? Well, well, he's Welsh. It's a Welsh pig. Oh yeah. well, yeah. How much money do you need? You can have an hour special on Monday at nine o'clock. So that's basically how, not that I'm saying Mike Phillips is a pig, but I'm just saying that no. you don't have to do something particularly remarkable to get an hour long special BBC on BBC Wales. Wales. You really don't. And yet I have I haven't watched it because I I can't quite bring myself to. But given that he's knocked it on the head this week, I've got to say Mike Phillips. Oh, he's brilliant! He's a Wales, he's a Wales legend. I know. think he's a legend and anyway. Yeah, I actually love him. He's absolutely brilliant. And, it, yeah. and if and if, well, and if rugby loses, well, they are losing people like him actually. Um, what's it for? You know, exactly. what's the game it's about? Like, really, we're losing like, little bits of it all the time, and people like him going makes it even worse. Exactly, he's a colossal prick, but <laughs> he was our, he was our prick, and when he's on your side, you absolutely loved him for it. And I, yeah, I love my Phillips anyway. Yeah. So there you go. Shane Williams said in the documentary, you know, I absolutely despised him. <laughs> I was against well, exactly. Him. <laughs> That's the thing. But yeah. Yeah, so we did. We done race in, well, we, we sort of did race in Northampton there. But anyway, Northampton were terrible and Racing were brilliant uh, mainly because well, of Dan you can't Carter. Give away 20, you can't give away 20 turnovers in a game and expect to win, can you? No, like, not really. Not when Dan Carter's running the counter attack, you can't. No. Well, no, exactly. Anyway. 
Okay, uh, another hiding then. Ooh, Glasgow mm. Glasgow Warriors beat Scarlets, didn't they? <laughs> I actually I did some predictions before the weekend, as 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 mm. I want to do on the blog, and I think yeah. I did pretty well this week. Apart from this, I thought the Scarlets might just sneak it. I'm I. <laughs> they might. They just about sneaked six points, is what they sneaked. They versus were forty three for Glasgow. Glasgow were very efficient, but holy shit, the Scarlets turned up a Scotsdale like they'd come directly from a whiskey tasting. It was awful. Like they were, they're getting worse every week, quite markedly. And injuries is a big part of it. Any team that doesn't have Scott Williams, Liam Williams, and and now um, John Davis, John Davis, uh, yeah, is he fit? John Davis, I James Davis, uh, James Davis is yeah, going to be out for a couple of couple of months. Um, but yeah, like, and they lost. They didn't have John Barkley on the weekend either. But God, like, that doesn't make an excuse for some of the defending. It was absolutely. Like, I, I mean, there's the, there's never any excuse to lose for to buy, to lose by that major Glasgow. No, ever. No, but like that, the big lads, uh, Naya Ravoro. Uh, I can't even say his name properly. The winger, Naya Ravoro. Yes, <laughs> that guy. Um, he's a Hattrick. big lad. Don't get me wrong. He's a big lad. But they were making him look like fucking Joan Lomu out there, like just bouncing off fairly like obvious first up tackles, and they just feel like they're going through the motions. They know they're not going to get out of the pool now because they've lost three games on the bounce, and it just feels like they can't really be bothered. And there's a bit of a mentality issue there, I think. And even bringing on the magnificent Tangerine Overlord in the latter stages didn't didn't stem the tide. Well, no, he can't tackle everyone, can he? He can't, can he? What can he, you know? There's only so much he can do. He's already running yeah. Wales. What's he supposed to do? <laughs> Let's talk about your team in Pool Two, shall uh, we? <laughs> Os- I, Ospreys versus Bordeaux Begler. Before we talk about the game, yeah, how do you feel about Bordeaux Begler's shirt? Um, I quite the like white it. White one, yeah. yeah I like it because it's got that. rugby league overtones. The old, yeah, v, got very, the old front V, the, the, the weird little subtle V. Yeah, they've got they've got three very nice shirts actually. Capacy Italian, they know what they're doing. And why, before again, while we're on shirts, I'm going to keep going. Sorry, while we're on shirts, why? You know me, I'm a, I'm a traditionalist with these things. I've argued mm-hmm. about these things before. The new um, soup, the New Zealand shirts, the super, yes. New Zealand super oh, and oh, all the Adidas shirts in Europe as well. Why have they yes. decided to move how the stripes are? Why are they going around the back of the collar or, or kind of front or the or turn through 90 degrees on the shoulder? I don't they, like it. They just, they just, they've got to fucking mess around with it somehow, haven't they? If you Have you noticed on the football shirts, the new football shirts, they're now going from the like hem of the shirt up into the armpit instead of over the shoulders. Well, the Adidas so, ones, are they? Yes, oh. yeah. So that'll be in rugby in a year or two's time. I, I, I didn't like the over the shoulder stripes at first. I think they can look quite nice, but yeah, they just they it's better than the weird the ones that went around the back looked like a weird sort of shrug. Because which... <laughs> <laughs> somebody still got yeah. them. I saw them at the weekend. I can't remember. Anyway, we digress. Let's talk yes. about Ospreys. Good win. <sighs> yeah, I I kind of just want to rather than talk about this game I just kind of want to scream into a pillow for about an hour to <laughs> accurately reflect my feelings like I know last the last pod I went on about how bad the Ospreys were in attack but like 35 minutes against 14 men and they score 7 points and all of them were scored directly after the red card and then they were just pointless for the entire rest of the game they they were they barely had the ball somehow they they could they just oh god they're so depressing. Are they relying There's too no... much on Dan Biggers? You think? Oh, massively so. They they don't have anybody else. Like, 
With no, <laughs> That'll do it season, then, won't it? Yeah, yeah last, last season they relied on Reese Webb and Dan Bigger, and Dan Bigger provided the control, and Reese Webb provided the like spark of creativity. No Webb this season has meant that it's purely just Dan Bigger attempting to control things and attempting to kick the leather off the ball, which he's incredibly good at, yeah. and I would not swap him. But there's nothing, you know. Josh Matavesi's a decent centre, but he needs somebody creative outside him, and he's got Jonathan Spratt. But even with and the, um, even with all that, they do keep getting half decent results, don't you? Well, it, it was a good. I mean, I would have taken a, a a narrow win before the start of the game, but like they sent their second team over there, and they were playing with a man down for most of the second half, and we just there was nothing there. There was and. You've got to feel like if they got a bonus point at home there, they could quite comfortably have been saying, yeah, we're going to go through as a best runner-up no matter how the last couple of games go, really. If they could get a result out in Bordeaux or out at Exeter, then they'd be laughing. But now it's it's they're back up against it again. But um, speaking of that red court, card, that was an absolute blinder, wasn't it? An absolute oh, blinder. It just you could just I just I was watching it and as soon as as soon as it happened I tweeted immediately I said I said Dan Biggers properly just got windpiped about ten yes. minutes after the ball went and not only did he get windpiped ten minutes after the ball went he wasn't even on the field the bloke no, actually ran was, off the field to windpipe him and then had the audacity to stand there giving it the full arms out what you sending me off really ref face no, it, it was the stupid he was like Dan Bigger was in touch he was in yeah, touch and he and kicked he the ball still, away sometime last still he Tuesday him. it was just spectacularly stupid he almost stupid. ran in windmilling it yeah. as he came in like full straight arm job <laughs> It was spectacularly silly, but yeah, good. I mean, good win for the Ospreys keeps them in the hunt. Like, I would have taken two wins from three at the halfway point quite comfortably, especially with all the bonus points. They yeah, because I mean, well, one so. of them was effectively a draw, wasn't it? Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. So Monster, you know, took their slightly rusty, mediocre-looking Sharabank back to film and 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 lost to Leicester in in a very. Well, convincing way, the loss really yeah. it didn't look like there was anything I mean, else on the cards, did it? Yeah, first of all, credit to, to Leicester because they played such a good game. They were so clinical and physical, and they they just they completely played Munster, and Munster played perfectly into their hands. They made very few errors, and it was a massive statement performance. But fucking hell, Munster, what? Where has that gone wrong, yeah. man? Conor Murray looks completely lost. Yeah. When you watch him play, he and doesn't seem to know what to do. Now that comes back to your point from earlier, the point we made on previous pods as well about how the lack of leadership in Ireland really. I mean, he's one of the people who is yeah. going to lead, isn't he? And he didn't look on Friday, whatever day it was, uh, Sunday, Saturday, was it? Can't remember. Saturday. Saturday. Yeah. Did he did not look like anybody could lead anybody anywhere unless no. it was down a well or something? You just think that, like, you look at the three tries that they conceded, and there was some sort of moronic fuckery involved in all of them just through stupidity or just lack of phys- physicality or whatever mm. and every single one of those Paul O'Connell would have got his fucking hurling stick out on training on Monday and we'd be beating <laughs> as, people to death as would, right as would Anthony Foley and speaking of it yes, did you see exactly. him after the game oh, he, God, he was you wouldn't fancy being in that dressing room would you no but it's, it's a case of is that working you know if he is giving them an absolute tongue lashing then why are they not responding because they're not very good because 
Yeah, and they just—it's just, it's just the, so weirdly unmonster. Like bad defending, stupid mistakes, and a lack of physicality. Oh, I never thought that I'd see that from a monster team. Either that. I mean, I've always questioned the value of a tongue lash in any way. I think it's mm, it's yeah. it's useful in very specific times. That whole passion, I always think, is the kind of last refuge of the shit house. You know, it's that kind yeah. of thing. Well, I'm we're crap, but at least we're passionate. You know. Yeah. It's a place for it. Don't get me wrong. But people do tend to overplay it, I think. And maybe Foley yeah. is too much one of the... I don't know the guy that much. I'm not, I don't know much about his coaching style. But is he one of these guys who just shouts a bit too much and doesn't actually say, look, this is where it's going wrong. Do yeah. this. I don't know. No, that's that's very true. But and either then, way, it wouldn't happen in a Collins day, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, we'll leave it at that. Uh, yeah. Top of the shot then, last one. Exeter Chiefs and their ridiculous dismantling of, 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 of Claremont. What's happened here? Like, I genuinely like Claremont are so weird this season. It's like they they score two tries in ten minutes at the start of the game, and you think, "All oh, right, this is going to be an absolute pasting." And then somehow they let Exeter and Thomas fucking Waldrum score thirty unanswered points. Like, yeah, how does? I know French teams on the road can be flaky, but that was stunning. I expected Exeter to win, mainly through Gareth Steenson, because I think that Claremont just keep giving away far too many penalties, even in games mm. that they're actually winning. But, I mean, that when you think about this game, prior to this game, they played each other twice, these teams, and on aggregate, Claremont yeah. had won it 92-15. Exactly. You know, so and, and history meant that this was going to be an absolute walkover, but it just shows... I think how far Exeter have come under Rob Baxter since because that was 2012 when they played each other last that's three years since they last played each other and look where Exeter are and Claremont you know let's not be honest I mean let's be honest they're doing alright but there's something spluttering about it yeah they they seem to be a team that that for me they're capable of switching it on and being unplayable when they want to it's the too long problem isn't it you look at it you look at it name by name and you think oh well whoever's playing this lot are in deep shit and then actually that's not how it's panning out. Is it a case that they've just got too many t- players and they're just. They chop and change so much, there's no time for any fluidity to really develop? It could be that, and the World Cup and everyone coming back quite late, I suppose, yeah. has, kind of, has, has kind of exacerbated that problem. It, it, could, it could be that. It could just be. They've just had a group of people who are just having a poor dip in form. It's sometimes as simple yeah. as that, isn't it? And, and when you're used to. Have they ever had to dig in? No, exactly. They're used to just smashing people, especially, you know, basically everybody but but maybe Stard and like Saracens and Toulon, mm. like Claremont are used to pretty much walking over everybody, and all of a sudden they're not finding it quite as easy. But, I mean, credit to Exeter, they were very, very good. And Thomas Waldron, I mean, a man who bravely stands up for the notion that being a professional rugby player and a massive yeah. fatty are not mutually exclusive yeah. concepts. Yeah. You shouldn't, you shouldn't like, be hindered by a professional athlete status to stop eating no. massive trays of pies and things like well, that. Exactly. I mean, good, it's a good job that all those scores, he only had to travel about six inches in total. <laughs> I'm not sure he's got the athleticism for much more. But He's, I mean, he's a classic example of using stats as a bad idea. Yes. because people always talk about his scoring record and stuff it's like no that's completely and utterly pointless it's the same as the count the medals argument isn't it well if you play a decent yeah. team you're going to get medals aren't you it doesn't exactly. mean you're any good no and and being at the back of a ruck that's six inches away yeah, from the when you just have to le- lean on it and walk and well, then fall yes, over especially when you've got a not inconsiderable bulk behind you anybody well. who saw me or played with me hello if you're out there will know <laughs> I was not a very good player but I think even I could pull that off <laughs> so that was the rundown of the weekend. Some Indeed. great stuff, some not so great stuff. We'll talk mm. about the return fixtures at the end. 
let's move on then to some uh, shit good nominations from the from the games of the weekend then Josh indeed you had uh, the, um, the doobie red card yes I mean, I mean we sort of talked about this earlier but like you've already managed to get Dan Bigger to make what have been the worst clearing kick in his professional career like just let him take it into touch and be done with it mate but no like he just this there's it was the most stupid ill-advised bit of blood to the head naughtiness that I've seen I, in quite some time. I can't remember who was on who was on commentary, but one of them actually did try to defend it for about half a second. They did actually sort of go, <laughs> "Oh well, it's in slow motion." I think maybe he was committed, and then like when you watch yeah, it in real motion, see... it still looks like it's in slow motion because he wound it exactly. up for so long. I loved the fact that the ref was like, I want to see it at full speed, as if somehow that would make it better. It's like, no, everything looks worse in slow motion, yes, but in this case, no, he was just punching him in the throat. I'd, I'd, love, to, I'd love to have a ref so go, I want to see it at full speed. That's an absolute blind of that. Yeah, he's going off, yeah. You know, just, I'd love to do it like, like fan commentary by a ref, you know. But then you think, you know, they lost that game by three points. And yeah, that could have been a very very big result for Bordeaux because the Ospreys were not looking good and, and when, they yeah and when you watched him the funny thing about watching slow motion as well was that he actually did half pull out he did and, and then you watch it get his recommit- arm kind of goes out he thinks oh fuck it I'm just gonna- yeah he recommits to the clothesline which <laughs> yeah, is I'm just going to and see what happens <laughs> <laughs> but yes he looked pretty few but that was yeah it was absolute idiocy given that you can just get sent off for fairly innocuous stuff these days well, yeah I mean a couple of the yellow cards in the Leinster too long game were kind of like Christ is that what it's come to now but that was yeah and you get those great so, comments as well that you know although you wouldn't have been sent off for that in the 80s it was like no you could send children down coal mines in the 1880s as well doesn't mean, exactly. it doesn't mean it's okay uh, the Scarlet's tackling was in the shit column I think Absolutely, you've oh, already mentioned God. this but it was it's absolutely appalling wasn't it wretched. So why are you not even trying that's the thing that pissed me off about it. It was so half-assed. Like, like that's going to be ugly in the video room this week, isn't it? Especially for the Nairavora's first try. Like, they were just flay. They were, they were a combination of both flailing and being bounced off, which is quite impressive. But the thing is, yeah. in the video room, how do you even analyse something like that? Because I, <laughs> I mean, you, you know, put... you don't need telling, do you? You just put it on just to shame them even more. Yeah, right, boys. What went wrong here? Fucking everything. Next. Yeah, I want you in. I want you in the video room wearing a dress so you can watch this, so I can humiliate you even more for just how, how bad yeah. it was. It was absolutely ridiculous. Matt Stevens' beard. Now Matt Stevens, full stop. Right before we go on to that, yeah. Matt Stevens looks terrible. Yes, what? What? Firstly, what is he doing in Toulon? <laughs> how would I? How would I miss? Like, did he get shipwrecked and like <laughs> drifted on a raft in the middle of the Atlantic for months, and then wash up on the shores of the Mediterranean, where Mura Bujalal took pity on him and let him come play for him? Because that that would be the only explanation for a why he's there and why he's got that. He could have been on a smuggling beard. boat. Yes, allegedly. It, that, that, well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but like. I don't grow beards anymore because when I grow a beard, it's almost entirely gingy and ginger, and I look fucking stupid. But it is basically. Matt Stevens has clearly not had this memo. It's a massive ginger beard. It looks like one of those ones. Do you know those tartan hat and beard combos you can yes, buy it for does, Scotland standards? It? it looks like he's cut the hat off that <laughs> and just stuck the beard to his face. It Mainly does. probably I mean, because maybe he still thinks they're after him for the for the for the jazz powder 
incident and he's trying to hide in the south of France well, like I all mean, criminals do I don't know <laughs> I mean there's been some suggestion that it might be one of those December charity things he's never grown that in December I'm, have you seen the exactly. rest of it <laughs> it's, it's, two, it's two weeks into it's the month it's a genetically modified in, beard if, it was it, a... if he's grown that in two weeks he needs to be tested for unauthorised use of gorilla DNA but but yeah, it is absolutely spectacular. It's isn't dreadful. It? Yeah, I mean, it's spectacularly awful. You don't see those Scotland tartan hat and beard things anymore. There was, there was something. So there, there was something they in were, the eighties, weren't they? I wish. I wish that the daffodil hat would go the way of the <laughs> tartan hat and beard. See, I think because they're really borderline racist, aren't they? I think they've gone the way of like the fake bit. afro and blacking up. You know, they're not. They're yeah. not seeing the stuff that you can do anymore. <laughs> you can't wear blackface, but, and you can't wear the tartan and beard and combo. But then. But then the rugby loves a bit of casual cultural appropriation and racism. We all watched the Exeter game on Saturday, you know. How are they getting away with that? Oh, man. I mean, how are they getting can away we, with it? Well, while we're here, can we have another Go. extra entry into shit, which is that? <laughs> which I mean, is that fucking permanently. It's, it's basically it, a set it, agenda item every week. All, all, of their, all of their considerable achievements are utterly ruined once again by the awful cultural appropriation that's everywhere you look with when it comes to Exeter Chiefs. They're a great club, they're an honest club, but I just can't abide it. Like the Native American dude on the cup shirt that and to yeah. that oh the the, the war but what I don't thing understand do, either is that is so racist. What I don't understand God. really is they could call themselves Exeter Chiefs. They're from the south coast of England. Exactly. They could all wear woad Yes. And have a Saxon gear on, or whatever, totally. whatever the time. I'm not a story, but whatever the no. British equivalent or English equivalent or Celtic yeah. equivalent of that, they could do and call themselves chiefs and a warlord and, or something, and it'd be bloody great. Instead, yeah. and, and, they're doing. And that. you look at the chiefs in 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 New Zealand. They well, yeah, they call themselves it's their the own and they, culture. Yeah, yeah, and they use every bit of that culture, and it's really cool. And you just you look over at like the thing that's going on in the States at the moment with the Washington Redskins name yes. and all of that sort of and thing. The Cleveland and Cleveland Indians, think, they've had to hide and yes, Chief P, exactly. whatever he's called in that yeah. cartoon character. You, yeah. you just hope that no Americans ever turn on the rugby because they will be absolutely mortified to see what some little rugby club in Exeter is doing with Native American heritage. Like, in see, terms rugby, of there is the establishment game though, you see. It wasn't that long ago that the establishment were, you know, shooting people with heads. Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out, or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. Dresses and nicking their country, so this oh, is yeah. just a, it's, a, it's it's a slow build. It's like votes for women in Saudi Arabia. You've got to take it in small <laughs> steps. Yeah, I might be overstating we, that slightly. Possibly. Can we can we just get rid of the horrible racist war chanting work from <laughs> yeah, there? It. it doesn't seem like much to ask, does it? Really? <laughs> no, it's not. Yeah. So that was the shit. So yes. let, moving on to the good stuff from the weekend. Elliot Daly, once again, oh, he God, looks. God, I wish he was Welsh. 
which is the highest compliment Did, I could didn't make Stuart Lancaster's first 50 for the World Cup <laughs> Elliot Taylor. I mean forget Burgess you know forget that he didn't make you know just that on its own didn't make he it's, wasn't one of the best 50 players last summer yeah I mean he's been brilliant every game this season and he was again on Sunday his passing is so good he's such an intelligent player his angles because I mean Joseph speed, as good as Joseph is he tends to he trusts his own kind of feet and ability to get away whereas, yes. whereas Daly just has that intelligence on the angle doesn't he yeah and it's so simple it's, when it's done why don't more people no. do it it's like alignment why is alignment so shit all the time <laughs> in every professional game you watch you, I find myself shouting all the time look at the fucking state of that alignment it's always terrible but maybe that's just me it's yeah it's baffling it's, it's worryingly depressingly simple how that he yeah. makes the game look you just cut against the so defensive effective. line as it comes across and look what happens yeah <laughs> but yeah he, he's he's absolutely making hay with it and, and if fair he's play not for him. starting for England in the Six he Nations he seems like Jones's kind of player as well wrong. Jones is all yeah, about definitely. the angles and the timing absolutely and, it, and in a way if Jones does actually have a plan I'm going to come on to on that later, later on. <laughs> I'll leave that for now Charles Piatow's yeah. feet are in good for me oh god never mind his whole game just his feet yeah incredible that late like, change of direction he does when you think you've got him is absolutely unbelievable. I, I, I continue to be amazed that he was allowed to leave New Zealand because he is like if he is not good enough for the All Blacks, I don't know what is and won't be good and isn't considered part of the All Blacks plans for the next four years. I don't know what the hell he doesn't look wrong over there. Milner Scudder doesn't look much better than him. No, Milner exactly. Scudder doesn't look much better than him to me. You know, I mean, no. But is it just because they're just Diff- not bothered and let people go and they're happy to do it? I don't know. Yeah, maybe they think, well, we've got Milner Scudder, we've got you know various other decent, excellent wingers sitting around there. We can we can let one go. But yeah, I hope this isn't a Nick Evans situation for the All Blacks where they deeply regret <laughs> letting him go. And Ben, when and they need him. finally on the good, and we'll skip over this now. Is his last bit of the weekend is Ben Tamifuna's offload. Racing ninety two. <laughs> there aren't many players who can do that in the world. Even less props. Uh, anyway, and, and exactly. <laughs> very, very few of them are twenty two stone. But uh, it was you absolutely can go on and on. glorious, wasn't it? You can go on and on about the contrasting skill levels between Kiwis and everybody else, but you just need to show that replay about seven million times, and you've won that argument. Stuart Barnes and the Wasp commentary. I think it was Stuart Barnes. It was you know hmm. surprised he was talking shit. You'd be surprised to hear. But he, <laughs> Joe Joe Lawnsbury at one point. Well, he, he passed the ball, and Barnes spent about five <laughs> minutes doing an analysis of a look. He looks and sees the person, and then he passes to him. It wasn't Barnes, actually. I can't remember who it was. But I just, I'm, I'm in these days of kids being coached from the age of nine to pass a ball. I'm absolutely astounded oh, that no. people still think that somehow the ability to look and pass is somehow correlated to whether you're 19 stone or not. It's just ridiculous, isn't it? Like, absolutely that's ridiculous. The, that's the mountain we've got to climb. In the northern hemisphere, I can understand you might not be very good. At, your feet might not be very good when you're 19. Yeah, your step might not, and your turn of pace might not be very good. But actually, being able to pass is not associated yeah. with the size of you. It's like anybody can look where the ball is going and spin it a little bit. You just need to work on it. And indeed, uh, yeah. Anyway, anyway, so that was the weekend <laughs> in review. Uh, hope you all enjoyed it. Not the week. Not not. You obviously didn't enjoy that. I mean, the weekend. The um, no. Yeah. Let's talk about Eddie Jones then, very briefly. He's, he is in the he country did. after his visa came through, and he's he's had the shortest meetings 
that you'll ever have with the current incumbent <laughs> staff, hasn't he? I mean, yeah, that, that there was probably just a revolver on the desk, and then <laughs> he just turned his back. He probably just what he probably said, "Do you want a crate or a box to put your shit in?" Because you're going. <laughs> I mean, I think clearing the decks is probably a good thing. Really, I mean, with any team, they hear the same voices for too long, they're going to stop listening, and that's even more the case when you've had as many bad experiences and as much internal strife as the England team has. I also think that Jones is quite a bright guy and I think he probably looked at that yeah. team and just thought can they do what I want them to do he probably either thought yeah. no or I'm not really convinced so or I, 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 I'm I, not sure and I haven't got I haven't got time to figure it out so I'll bring in yeah. people I know can do it because I've got the Six Nations in two months exactly I think that's the thing I don't think that Cat Farrell or Rome did a bad job although like all the rumblings about Farrell's influence on Lancaster and all that stuff probably hasn't helped that's Lancaster's but... fault though isn't it well, yeah, but in the absence of being able to maybe make wholesale changes to the squad that he might want to, like a new broom and some new thinking in the coaching department, is probably like the best short-term fix, I would imagine. There's rumours he's after Paul Gustard from from Saracens for defence, and Borthwick for the forwards. Both, but actually, no, they reckon that Borthwick's going to be coming in as line out. They reckon he oh, okay. they reckon he might split the line out and scrum role. Oh, okay. and, he, and that he doesn't need an attacking coach because Eddie Jones is one that's kind of his bag right. so okay, actually yeah. so I'll do the attack and everything else and uh, he wants a kind of specialist scrum coach and a specialist line out coach with Borthwick or maybe he'll combine the two but I think he's obviously identified well they've got to do something to get the scrum working again I'd like a, yeah. I'd like a specialist breakdown coach because it hasn't worked for years that, that would be I mean the thing it, it makes you wonder though is, is obviously when he came in he said that his his job was that he was going to to groom an heir apparent as part of mm. his job, and it's like you look at like Gustav and Borthwick, and you just got to think: Do either of those seem to be likely future England head coaches? I mean, maybe, maybe, but... maybe, or maybe he's happy to look, keep an eye on people like Baxter, let them get maybe. European experience. Which is the next best maybe. thing to international experience, or probably maybe as yeah. good as really in many ways. Yeah, um, I, th- I think one thing though, Gustard's uh, coming in, his efforts with def- Saracens' defence, as annoying as the whole wolf pack cliche thing <laughs> they do is, it's just been ridiculously successful. And if you can get England defending like that, then the games will almost take care of themselves. It's anybody who uses yeah. the term wolf pack in a non-ironic way. It's oh like the word God. banter in a non-ironic way should immediately <laughs> be taken out and shot. Well, yeah. It also probably means that the like of Ashton, Farrell, Gu, Detodje and all those are very much on the selection radar. You'd imagine now that a Saracens coach is going to presumably be installed. I think they probably would be anyway. I don't like Alex. They probably would be anyway. I don't like yeah, Alex Gu very much. I think he's fairly one-dimensional, mm-hmm. really. But he, he is solid. Yeah. He's a bit, and it's a it's a good bit of English experience for in the political and sort of making friends thing because obviously Gustav and Borthwick are both very experienced through the England English game and and in the England setup in in general. So, and of course, Borthwick can do the post match interviews, can he? He can be oh, he can be, be he can be wheeled out he can be wheeled out to just talk about some other game or whatever comes into his <laughs> mind and and uh, and then that'll do the job, right? So speaking of England as well and forwards and Borthwick and so on, uh, Alex Corbisiero mm. has said he's going to take a year off, but he's only going to do it at the end of this year. This it's seems like one, the most it? bizarre thing. Well, I've, ne- I've I've never known this to happen before. Correct me if I'm wrong. Somebody tell me if I'm wrong. But I've never known this to happen before. He says that basically, unless I have this twelve months off. 
I won't be able to play the game anymore. I've got to get my head straight. But I obviously I don't need to get my head straight until next May. Yeah, my head's fine until then. It's like the guy has had such hideous, unfair luck with injuries over the last couple of years. I'm amazed that he's still bothering, to be honest. Like, and I think giving his body a year off uh, is is actually a very good idea. However, like you say, it's the the weirdness that he's going to play all this, and it's been very obvious when he's he's been coming back over the last well, basically since the Lions tour. Every time he's tried to come back too early, and he's fucked himself again. Yes, and so he's going to basically try to hobble on until the end of the season, presumably because Saints would not release him from his contract early. I would imagine he must. Um, Go on, and then and then he's going to do it then. But yeah, it's very weird, man. It must be like, I imagine, because he's going to get through to the end of the season despite desperately wanting to stop. It must be like, <laughs> it reminds me when I had when my kids were, I have got kids, my kids were very small and they went to bed at half seven and it was miserable and knackering. But you knew that if he just got through to half seven, they would go to sleep and then he could sit down. And I think that's maybe what he's going to spend the rest of the season being like, if yeah. I could just get through to May, I can sit down and everything will be sorted. Well, that's the thing. It's like, he's going to, He's not exactly going to be the most motivated man on the training paddock for the next. Well, he's a he's a he's a pro. You'd hope that he wouldn't be, and there's there's no question. And I think uh, Malander's effectively said, "I'm going to treat you like any other player. You'll you'll play if I think you should play, and nothing about you not being here next season will make a difference." But we'll see. It's just I mean, with Priestland sort of doing something similar, he just said, "I just can't be bothered with the hassle of this anymore. I need a break." Yeah, Priestland's is a bit different though because Priestland. Has taken like uh, I thought he's, 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 he's mentally terribly weak. Is that the basic? Yeah, the top yeah of the I mean, he's he's not the most mentally strong character in the game, and by all accounts, he's an incredibly nice guy. Off, it. I'm sure he is. And yeah. I think just like the dogs abuse that he gets yeah. on social media and all that shit. And I, and I, I fucking yeah, I'm, fair, I'm responsible for quite boring. a lot of that, to be fair. So I suppose I should, <laughs> I should, I should give the guy a break. So. But yeah, I mean, none of I, I've been critical of his performances in a Welsh shirt fairly forthrightly, but like I think he's yeah, we, I think pe- he just wants a break from that shit, doesn't he? And I can't really blame him. I don't know honest. about you, Jack, but people like me, I was never a great sports player. I loved doing it, but I wasn't very good, so therefore I wasn't mm. very confident in my own ability. No. So and I went out. I did. I did what I could, but I, I never thought I could be great or very good or anything. Whereas. You imagine that when somebody's got that level of talent, that they will never struggle with that. But actually, I think some people do, don't they? Graham Hick in the cricket was a classic example yeah. of all the talent in the world. But I think the word's diffident, isn't it? No confidence, no confidence mm. in your own ability to actually get out and get it done. And I think Priestland suffers with that. I think. Yeah, I think he does. It's a shame, man. While we're on Wales, then yeah. let's talk about the national dual contract pantomime, Christmas pantomime. Get a pad and paper and start taking notes. Right, I'll let so, you have this one. Go. Right. So, after a few months of things looking actually quite rosy in the Welsh world as far as playing retention and general regional harmony and all that shit goes, it inevitably all went to cock this week, as things always do with Welsh rugby. So, first up, we had Talupe Falato finally getting what he wanted and rejecting a deal contract from the WIU and signing up with Bath. And then we had a very odd situation with Scott Williams where he was re-signed with the Scarlets but not on a national deal contract and for different reasons both cases show you just how much the current system is not fit for purpose at all so why wasn't um, William signed on a dual contract 
Well, here's the thing. Right. He was all set to sign a dual contract and re-up with the Scarlets. Right. Um, they'd, they'd agreed a fee, all that sort of stuff. It was basically dotting the T's, crossing the I's. Then the Ospreys, who desperately need a 13 because God knows they haven't got one at the moment, <laughs> um, came along and were like, um, you can have 80 grand more and come over the locker and play for us, but not on a national deal contract. Um, would you like that? And as any sane human being in the world would do, Scott Williams was like, huh, well, yes, I will consider this, definitely. <laughs> but then the the WRU, rather than sort of waiting for this to play itself out and then seeing what happens, then instantly decided to withdraw the dual contract and said that he wouldn't be getting one at all. And so, and for basically the Scarlets, the Ospreys, and several English clubs um, could fight it out amongst themselves. And in the end, he because um, they said they didn't wish to get into a bidding war with the regions, and so Scott Williams, one of Wales's most important players going forward, isn't on a national deal contract because he's now fully re-upped with the Scarlets um, for however much money they were offering him. At least he's in Wales, I suppose. The thing with Falatau, well, yeah, the thing with Falatau is, is that. Well, one way to look at it is that all the WRU have done and Gatlin's done by saying you can't go is rob the Dragons of a transfer fee. Yeah, that's, it was, a, what, 150 grand, something like that, which is massive money to, like to a club like the Dragons. Indeed, yeah. And it was... He obviously wanted to go. He didn't want to play for the Dragons anymore. No disrespect to Dragons fans, but you know, who can blame him? Um, and Bath were... I don't know whether it was because Bath were offering him a comical amount of money, which is, let's face it, not beyond the realms because... They have one of their slots open for their non-salary-capped yeah. player um, with Burgess gone, yeah. so they could pretty much offer him anything that they wanted um, and not worry about the cap. And it might well be the case that they offered him an obscene amount of money that was much more than... Because the, the dual contract thing basically says that they want to offer a player um, a fair market value for what they are. But who the fuck is to say that? Like, who's to say what a player's market value is? If... Bath well, they affect well they affect the market by being in it. Well, exactly. Some people don't and seem to Bath, understand about these things. As soon as you start saying there's a market value issue and you're in the market, then you're affecting that market, aren't you? Yeah, and if if Bath, you know, if if the WRU wanted to offer Falatau three hundred and fifty grand a year, and Bath wanted to offer him four hundred and fifty grand a year or more, you know, then then the market moves, doesn't it? The market value for then the market value for him is four hundred and fifty grand or whatever, you know, and yeah, because the market value so is what people are willing to pay for it. Yeah, exactly, and and that's the sort of inherent ridiculousness of it because there's no there's it's basically restraining trade if they they are really wanting to be that sort of petty about it, and the Scott Williams thing feels very much like restraining trade because they they're basically trying to create this weird closed system where there's no competition for anyone the WRU decides how much it wants to pay a player and then it pays 60% of it and the region plays uh, 40% of it and the only way that any player ever moves from their home club or region is because you know they feel like it and that that feels quite sort of not very so is it it's so quite is it Irish, is really, it an issue it? is is it just an issue do you think that um, I don't think it's a terrible idea. I just think they're not implementing no. it very well, are they? I think you've either I got to go, that's... you've got to go for it or not. Exactly. And uh, Simon Thomas from uh, Media Wales Western Mail has been repeatedly saying on Twitter this week that like, if they want to keep players in Wales, it's the power of the Welsh jersey that they need to leverage, and it's not money because they can't comp- like. 
Welsh players deserve to be compensated appropriately for their time, but the WIU and the regions just cannot compete with French and English paychecks long term. It's suicide. Like there's so much more money in the French game and the English game that even with the WIU support, like that is eventually going to be financially ruinous for everyone. So the the only way that they can really do it is that they've got to tweak it in the same way that New Zealand tweak it to make it more attractive yeah, to other, stay other, otherwise, than it is to leave. Otherwise, you, otherwise your national league just becomes a feeder for bigger other national leagues and yeah, your national and team. A, but not a feeder for your national team in the right way. It becomes like a development exactly, and team. You know what I mean? it, becomes, it becomes like an academy set up for your national yeah. team, which is not really how it's supposed to work, is it? No, and that's kind of the problem that, that, I mean, there's a lot of criticism of that sort of being the case in the papers today with Ireland as well. They're saying that it's just becoming mm. a, a bit of a, and, and we saw that whole thing with, with Stephen Moore a couple of weeks ago in Ireland where, you know, he wasn't allowed to sign for Munster because Ireland wanted to let young Irish hookers get game time, and I'm, I'm sympathetic to that, but... There's just, there is a balance to be struck somewhere, and I think I think the Aussie system is pretty much right. To be honest with you, yeah. I think if you've got more than sixty caps, you can do what the fuck you want, really. Like True, if you yeah. want to go and play, yeah. if you want to go and play overseas and have a massive payday, but you make yourself available, great, come back, we'll have you. If you haven't got sixty caps, however, then I think that it should be a an in or out thing. You yep. Know, so we have. who knows where the answer will be? There's going to be a point to oh, which people God are knows. going to get naffed off. I mean, the thing with Ireland is, is that they're going to be the fans are okay as long as you keep the Irish team keeps winning. It's like, well, like, I'm happy yes. to have a problematic regional team or provincial team if you <coughs> keep winning as a national team. But they're not going to they're not going to be happy to support that if they keep losing in World Cup quarterfinals, are they? Well, no, exactly. And it's the same thing with Wales. You know, the reason that the re- the regional game has has been allowed to stagnate is because. Welsh fans are happy as long as Wales are winning and Wales are doing quite well and Wales have been unprecedentedly decent in the last 10 years and as such the decline of the regional game has sort of been allowed to carry on without too much of a complaint and now we're in a bit of a shitstorm with it Right, so that's the National Dual yeah. Contracts which it seems will not be sorted anytime soon um, <laughs> no. Let's let's move, move away from things in the present day and let's go uh, back in time as we have a look mm. at our, another instalment of our Hall of Infamy that is You Dirty Get which celebrates magnificent acts of foul play from history some of which make us laugh some of which make us feel fine some of them <laughs> don't so much and, uh, yeah. and this, this, this is one of those let me take you back in time 10 years Josh and you out there to the yeah. to, I, know, I know nobody really wants to remember this but the British and Irish Lions tour of New Zealand in 2005 <laughs> now I'm not going to put Clive Woodward in You Crazy Dirty days. Get for picking that squad and those teams, but we could do that because that was a an active, Campbell, an active, complete film. I'm going to come on to Alistair Campbell now to talk about this. But <laughs> the, the dirty get for this week is is that is the famous incident when uh, Tanu Manga and Kevin Mialamu tipped Brian O'Driscoll on his head and attempted to make a concertina out of him, basically. Yeah, I, we get some. We've got a bit of flack from uh, certain people on this podcast over the last couple of weeks for being a bit pro All Black for the last <laughs> month or so. But yeah. yes, I, I think I think this this might be uh, uh, about to redress the balance somewhat because yeah, this is this is All Blacks and New Zealand rugby at their absolute worst. It was cheap, calculated, off the ball thuggery backed up with barefaced lying, arrogance, and horrible macho, macho superiority. Yeah, and it was it was, just, it, it was after after it as well. It was like a kind. Of, it was like a self-righteous off. 
It was sort I of like Alistair it. Campbell oh. and, and Alistair Campbell and Woodward holding. I think four press conferences they held, showing still pictures about what and being so outraged and sanctimonious about it. And then on the flip side, the All Blacks are coming back being all self-righteous about it's not in the spirit of the game to be going back like this and you shouldn't be doing mm. stuff like that and this is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, Graham Henry, within about five days, was sort of saying, we all just need to move on from this. You know, this Dismissing it out of hand, we should all move on. This is ridiculous going back talking about this all the time. It was it was awful. I mean, the Kiwis were saying, oh, it's been blown out of proportion and, and maybe the whole ridiculous Campbell-Woodward fiasco did blow it out of proportion, but... It's, I don't see how anyone can see what went on from Umaga and Mialama was anything other than just an opportunistic attempt to injure the Lions' best player. It was incredibly it was cynical, it was thuggish, it was isn't it? Isn't it interesting as well that 2005 was was 10 years ago? It's not It's not very long ago, is it? Professionalism no. is very well established. You know, we're not in the dark ages of people gouging each other's eyeballs out as much. Yeah. And, um, but, well, <laughs> not much. so much. Well, well, we we could do Scott Berger doing it in another line <laughs> tour later on. Can't we? We'll do yeah, another yeah. one. But uh, the um, but it seems when you look at that now, and I watched it again on YouTube today, and I'm, I'll put it up on Twitter yeah. so everyone can have a look again. It it seems like the dark ages for yeah, that to happen, and for nobody to do anything about it, and actually be pissed off that you're even trying to do something about it. Yeah, seems and, like and another so- world now. And for there to be no repercussions at all. Well, yeah, they, really. well, they were actually pissed off that anybody said it was out of order. The All Blacks know, were actually genuinely like... aggrieved that you'd, you'd have the audacity to actually say that was that that was not that wasn't on that. And that's the thing that pisses me off about this more than anything is that like I've got massive respect for the All Blacks and everything that they do, but this sort of superior like we play the game hard but fair and, and you know nothing that we ever do can any be ever be considered as going beyond the line because you know we don't need to play like that because we're the all blacks well bollocks because they do it's like the australians in cricket isn't it they see themselves yes. as the keeper of the spirit of cricket and funnily enough Oof. the spirit of cricket line is drawn exactly up to where they go <laughs> you exactly. know we've behaved like this but no it's not against the spirit of cricket because we get to decide that and if you actually look at the all blacks in that situation that was a bit like that you know we play the yeah, game completely. right we're the best team in the world we know where the line's drawn. Funnily enough, we always just yeah. draw a big curve in it if we end up going across it, like the Battle of the Bulge. It's, 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 it was exactly the same with um, Andrew Hoare and Bradley Davis a couple of years ago, mm. where Hoare just, you know, smashed him in the face with a forearm off the ball, you know, concussed him, down near, you know, cracked his skull open. And it should have been a red card, it should have been a huge ban, but he got off for it. And once again, there was this incredulous sort of, how dare you continue to make a thing about this, you know? He's a, he's not that kind of player, you know. We're the All Blacks, and we're above such he's thuggery. Not that kind of oh, player. it boils! It boils my fucking piss. It really does. And yeah, did that. I I find it very hard to have much yes, time. Well, for he it. is that kind of player because look, he's just he's done, done that. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's the most nonsensical argument going, isn't it? Really. And like every time since like Umaga's been asked about it, he's always just sort of like basically cried that he was demonised for it and all this sort of shit and it's like oh, it's but very imagine hard if it to happened now. Time. Yeah, that's what you've got to think about imagine the reaction now he'd, well, he'd be cited and he'd, be, he'd probably been readied anyway I, I don't think the yeah. ref saw it actually but he would have been well, well the TMO would have seen it now Yeah, and funny enough they might have both gone off they would have both gone off and they probably would have both had pretty long bands as well and and nobody would have said a word would they would have gone yeah fair enough no whereas now it's all like no. I'm demonised and, and so on it's, it's, oh, I'd say it's, it is yeah. like another world even though it was only 10 years ago it's bizarre isn't it 
And then with the Alistair Campbell thing, you know, a lot, sure. loads of people met. But actually, in, I've got, I'm sorry, but I, I have got a little bit of sympathy for him because when he actually called these press conferences and said, look, that is disgraceful, everyone said, oh, you don't know rugby, Alistair. You're a disgrace sort of thing. You, you, because you don't know rugby, you should know you don't do things like this. You could make the argument he was 10 years ahead of his time because that's, exactly well, exactly. that's exactly what's happening now. <laughs> look at that. That's disgraceful. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> <That's> exa- <laughs> <laughs> It's just that now, yeah, back then they just went, yeah, and move on. Yeah. Whereas now they go, yeah, you're right, 12 weeks. Well, I, th- I, honestly, I honestly think it was because there was such a good All Blacks team. There was a desire not to to paint them as being like that as well. And because That's they were so the good and they were. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was the start of this whole sort of All Blacks brand era, wasn't it, really? Because yeah. like, that's the first time I really remember them pushing the All Blacks as a brand in that regard with sort right. of all the big adverts and the media campaign and yeah it's right. Then. it was just a bit yeah. so there was your dirty get which is the legendary tipping on it and honestly it is the worst spear tackle you'll ever see if you watch it Definitely now is. it is it's, it's unbelievable it's, it's literally tipped bad. vertical upside down we've all seen it I'm sure but have a look if you haven't because it is absolutely unbelievable so let's have unless a... you're Brian O'Driscoll unless you're <laughs> so let's <laughs> don't watch it again Brian so let's um, have a look at the return fixtures for, for next week then uh, very very yes. quickly um, Toulouse will face Ulster again <sighs> fuck the fuck <laughs> 45 nil to Toulouse there you go yeah it could easily be yeah <laughs> we've got uh, Scarlet's are playing Glasgow uh, I, st- I still think Glasgow are going to tune them to be honest again I think the Scarlet's aren't playing for anything anymore well they've got a hell of a turnaround to go. that's the thing about these double headers isn't it interesting yeah, you it see what Saints do at Franklin's Gardens against Racing god yeah they got. I mean, they can't lose. They different... won't lose like that again. I don't know. I don't think they will either. I think. But then remember, Rashin came to Franklin's Gardens a couple of years ago and turned them over. So I think they'll lose. I, I, could... I think they'll lose yeah, on that I form. Think I, think, I think their set piece isn't strong enough to play against a team with Dan Carter playing that well. And obviously, yeah. you know, the mighty yeah. sex at nine. So yeah, <laughs> um, we've got Stade Francais will play. Who cares? Stade Francais playing Benetton. <laughs> who cares? Um, Claremont versus Chiefs. Now, what what the hell's going to happen there? Um, back in Claremont see I, re- I re- see I reckon that Exeter could do something here like it depends if the team that played the Ospreys a couple of weeks ago turns up they'll get dicked they will yeah but if they do what you know they were so smart on Saturday with the way that they just basically deprived Claremont of ball and played with the forward orientated game if they do that again I mean who knows? Steenson's the one of the, a perfect player to go there and do that, really. Yeah, they, they, he they've is. got the personnel to do it, haven't they? Yeah. Um, you've got to go to Ospreys. Have to go to Bordeaux. That's going to be a prison shaming, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah. Bordeaux's, you Bordeaux can't get away probably, with it again. <laughs> no, exactly. And Bordeaux will probably put their first team out. Which I mean, their second team already probably was paid yeah. more than the Ospreys' entire first team anyway. But their second team sure as hell are. So and, and hopefully yeah, no people do a flying windpipe off the field, and that'll help. Yeah, <laughs> that would be helpful. Yeah. Uh, let Munster have got to go to Leicester and lose. That'll do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Saras, <laughs> Ironax have now got to come back to Saracens <laughs> and yeah, lose about nine hundred mil. Aren't basically. they really? Aren't they? Yeah. yeah imagine turning that one round. So lads, we can still do this, so lads. lads. Um, <laughs> just do your best, eh? And we'll go for a pint after. Uh, Toulon have got to go to Dublin. That's an interesting one, actually. I think Toulon are going to win. Mean, I think quite comfortable. I think Toulon will win, but they've got to be a lot better than they were on the weekend. I think they will be. 
Yeah, you'd imagine so. I think there's too much quality there for them ever to Even if it's not by a lot, they're going to win. I think it's getting to the point now where it's borderline, like, slightly reckless to do anything other than back Toulon to win every single game because they should. Well, they've lost. They've probably lost enough for the season now that you can just sort of say they're going to win. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know the, the the statistics will ease themselves out. They're going to win, um, and then finally, finally, back at it's back to the wreck for wasps. I mean, given the wasps should have won that game. Gone, yeah, given the way this pool has gone, wasps will probably win. They'll probably win about forty points to three, or something stupid like that, yeah. because this pool is just ridiculous. But in in common sense, real world land, which I'm not sure actually applies anymore. But never mind. Um, yeah, remember those times, were, simpler times. Yeah, <laughs> they were crazy days. Um, I think Bath is the, such a massive confidence boost for them last week. Like this is the start of them getting better. Them. I think it is the start yeah, of them, I and, right. I, and I don't think they're going to get worse. So they'll get incrementally better than last week. And it's whether yeah. Wasps can actually just do the job properly. Yeah, away from home. Um, and that has been something of an Achilles heel aside from that Leinster results this season they've, they've not been as good on the road as they are at, at the Trader Dome okay so hmm. so that'll be it from us this week apart from it, we'll finish on a song as usual the loop our rugby Indeed. related songs but uh, we are on at I am on at Blood and Mud if you want to if you want to tweet me Josh is at uh, I am at uh, Rugby Shirt Watch nice and simple nice and simple and you can find us on our websites and everything's there please send in any nominations for the loop or dirty get or anything or give us some feedback or tell us we're awful whatever we'll take it all you know any any feedback is good feedback <laughs> send nominations for the loop to get us out of this 90s this 90s hell yeah although Josh doesn't volunteer any I will say no Josh is not volunteering any so we talked about Dan Carter before Josh what is it that all good players have what marks them apart from other people you could argue that they always seem to have time and indeed space yes also almost like the song Space and Time by The Verve that's what we're going to finish on (laughs) thank you Josh I'll see you next week take care guys thank you
Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.